Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Good morning, Revival Life Church. It's so great to see you today. I can't wait to get together. Uh, how about Brent doing the offering? Did he kill it or what? Come on. And uh, the link to the, yeah, the link to giving is right there in the description. Like he said, he said, you know, text it, but you know, come on. And uh, it's just great to see you guys this morning. Say what's up in uh, the, the live chat. I'm on here. I'm here and I'm here in the chat at the same time. That's because we're a supernatural church. Anyway, hey, I'm excited about starting a new message series today. It's titled do justice. Now, everywhere where you are, whether you're at home, listening to the podcast, wherever you are, live here with us tonight, let's all say it together. Do justice. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start this message uh, reciting a verse out of the book of Micah, and then I'm going to talk for a while, approximately 22 minutes, and then we're going to come back to that verse in the book of Micah. Okay, you ready? So let's turn to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Now here's the prophet Micah speaking the word of the Lord to Judah. Ready? Here's what he's telling them. Talking about God, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the prophet telling the people of Israel, listen, you know what God wants of you. I mean, this isn't a mystery, don't you? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. See, these days, our society is deeply interested in justice. You hear it in the streets, you see it on the news, and this isn't just something that a certain political party in America came up with. This isn't just a generational thing. This is a God thing. This actually is part of who God is. And it's part of our DNA. It's how we were created. We all want to be treated fairly. We all want equal opportunity to excel in our gifts, in our talents. None of us wants to be discriminated against. We all want justice in our lives. We want to live in societies of justice. And I have been all throughout Latin America. I've not been to Africa, but I've been throughout Latin America. And I've Notice that in many Latin American countries, and this is not a slur, and I think many of you would agree with me who are from there, many times in Latin America, the justice you receive is based on your wealth and your power. This is not how God wants it. In America, the the way our government is set up, the way it's supposed to operate, is that all people get justice. Liberty and justice for all, we like to say. And we came up with that phrase, not just because some political party came up with it, but we know what injustice looks like. In certain areas of the world, your punishment directly relates to how poor you are or your inability to pay for justice. That's not justice at all, friends. And again, this isn't just a generational thing. God is just, and justice matters to God. Justice matters to God. It's super important to Him. And that's why the framers of our Constitution 
as flawed as they were, wanted a justice system that was just. With checks and balances, again, these were far from perfect people, but they had some of the ideas right. Now, I don't know if you know of Tim Tebow. He was a football player at the University of Florida, uh, which is probably the most important thing he's ever done. But he has this organization, and every year they have what they call a, a night to shine. And now this is taken off all over the place. And what they do is they get people who may not have been invited to a prom. Maybe they've never been celebrated. Maybe they haven't had those amazing mile marker moments because of disabilities or developmental delays or physical impairment. And Tim Tebow decided, hey, we're going to give these people a night to shine. See, Tim Tebow knows Jesus, and he has understood that justice means not just what I can get out of the system, but how do I get other people where I'm at? How do I bring other people up to my level? This is what biblical justice looks like, to give other people the opportunities that we've been given. When you hear the word justice, though, what do you think about? Do you think like a courtroom? Do you think a police officer? Do you think a prison maybe? Or criminals going free because of a lack of justice? Or justice wasn't done and so people are harmed? There's a Hebrew word for justice. It's, it's called mishpat. Uh, I, at least that's how an American white guy says this Hebrew word, mishpat. And it's used more than 200 times in the Old Testament. And mishpat literally among all its meanings means to treat people equally. Treat people equally. And I want you to see in there, there is a verb. Not a mentality, it's an action. Treat people equally. In other words, like Micah said, do justice. We have to do Justice. In, in the court system, that means that we have to decide cases based on the merits of the case, not the matter of money that people have or their status in life. Basically, the same wrong equals the same penalty no matter who you are. Now, we know before God, all have sinned. Doesn't matter who you are on this earth. Doesn't matter your lot in life, doesn't matter your economic status, doesn't matter what people think you are, sin is treated the same by God. It's because He's just. He shows no preference among people. But most people, they think punishment and judgment with justice. And I'm here to tell you, the modern justice movement, God is behind it. He is stirring up this hunger for justice in the earth today. But all too often, God's people can lag behind what the earth is feeling. But we, as believers, have the greatest resource on the topic of justice, the Word of God. It is the ultimate book on justice. There's no book written. There is no philosopher who's ever spoken whose justice exceeds the Word of God. In this message series, we're going to talk about how God addresses oppression. We're going to talk about how He addresses and judges with fairness. We're going to talk about how since God 
is just, it emboldens the believer to advocate for the vulnerable in an unjust world. We must seek justice in the lives of others because our God is a justice-seeking God. And He commands us to advocate for those who are made in His image. This is the theme of the book of Micah. We can come to a place of privilege like Judah had at that time, and we don't bring others with us. We can come to a place of privilege in our lives, a place of comfort, and we somehow will say, to God be the glory, but I deserve it. And that's not just. See, Micah came about 700 years before Jesus uh, from uh, the 30-year time span is when he lived and, and ministered. And he preached about justice. And I'm going to use, I need to move quickly because i got a lot of ground I'm going to cover today. And so I'm going to speak out of the New American Standard Bible, but I'm also going to use the contemporary English version. I would not really recommend this version to study out of, but some of these easier versions to read tell stories better. All right? So give me a little grace. Trust me that I understand what the word means. And I'm not dumbing it down. I just want you to hear the story. So Micah is writing to a people who have forgotten that God desires justice. And they've come to this place of entitlement. And he says to them in Micah chapter 2, verse 1, here's how he says it. He says, doomed. You're doomed. At night you lie in bed making evil plans. And when morning comes... You do what you've planned because you have power. You grab any field or house that you want. You cheat families out of homes and land. But here is what the Lord says. I am planning trouble for you. Your necks will be caught in a noose and you will be disgraced in this time of disaster. When that happens, this sorrowful song will be sung about you. And watch this song that the Lord says is going to be sung over these people. Ruined. Completely ruined. The Lord has taken our land and given it to traitors. What's happening? See, America is not Israel. And some people get that confused. And we need to say, thank you, Jesus. Because when the nation sinned, God punished the whole nation. I am thankful that we are judged individually on our personal sin, but God requires something of us. And in, we see this pattern in Judah where God was saying, listen, I made it pretty simple. I'm going to take you out of the land. Be good people, and you're not. Verse 6, he says, enough of your preaching. That's what you'll tell me. We won't be disgraced, so stop preaching. This is what God, this is what, uh, God tells them through Micah. They're going to say to him, hey, I'm telling you, you're sinning and God is going to come against you and you're going to yell at the prophet. You're going to yell at the people in the street as if they're the problem. And God's like, nah, no, 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 no. That's not the problem. See, nobody wanted to hear that. Nobody wanted to hear that they've gotten it wrong. Nobody, nobody wants to hear that God is unhappy with the successful people and that he favors other people. Nobody wants to hear that. I don't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear that correction. And they're yelling at Micah here in verse 6. They're saying, how dare you speak against your country? We're God's people. To go against our country is to go against God. Our side is God's side. Let me tell you, folks, you want the prophetic? 
This is what the prophetic looks like. When you want the prophetic, you're going to get prophets. And prophets are going to speak to you from the Lord's perspective. And he sees things differently than we do. And here's what he says to them. Verse 11. They said, here's what you'll say. The only prophet you want is a liar who says drink and get drunk. Go ahead and party. I love it that you're taking advantage of other people and you get to party while other people are suffering. That's what you want to hear from the prophet. This is, come on, I'm quoting the word of God right now. Don't get offended. The book of Micah, is, it's a history of humans. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's human history. God said Babylon would defeat Judah as part of God's judgment. Why? Because they would not do justice. Let me say it again. Justice is not just a state of mind. It's an action God expects of us. So that's the first part of Micah. And the second part of Micah, the judgment comes. And here's what he gets to, basically. Follow along with me here, because it's getting interesting. Being religious is not the same as being godly. Being religious is not the same as being godly. The devil don't care if you go to church. He'll let you jump around and raise your hands. He'll let you sing the songs and look holy. But start doing justice and watch what happens. Start actually spending your money on the poor. Start feeding people when people think you should stay home. Watch what happens. People think you're crazy. Ah, those people deserve to be hungry. I'm sorry. We know... We can know all the words, all the songs. We can shout amen. We can shabba shabba. We can pray. The devil's not scared of any of that. It's when you start actually doing justice. Look at this. Amos said it as well. Here's how he said it. Here's how God spoke through Amos. You ready? Watch this. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Oh, we're being sad for you, God. He says, even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your families. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. Watch this. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream. I love being in church. I love worshiping. I love being with you. But there's something else God is looking for. And he's looking for justice. I, um, many years ago, I, I, uh, we're just going to keep it real here at Revival Life. Amen? <clears throat> you ever been around people who are just so, they're, they're probably more godly than Jesus, they think. And uh, they quote all the stuff to you. And you're like, bruh, I really think you're missing. I had a, um, I probably shouldn't tell the story, but I'm going to tell it anyways. I had, a, I, had a, uh, I had a job with a fellow Christian. He owned a company. I'm, tr- you know, I'm just loving Jesus, trusting God for my finances. And uh, one day, uh, my wife was pregnant. I can't believe I'm telling the story. My wife is pregnant, working for my friend who's a Christian. got bills that they committed me to, and they came in and they said, you know, 
basically, we realize if we fire you, we can make more money. And we have to be a good steward of the money God has given us. I said, bruh. <laughs> now, he'd already told me they were letting me go, so I had nothing to lose at this point, right? And so the prophetic anointing is on me, and it have far less control at that time. I said, I'm pretty sure God is more concerned with his people than he is your money. But God's going to take care of me. We had slightly more heated words than that. And uh, hallelujah. Here's the truth, though. Should I keep that story in, honey? Or you don't mind me telling it to you. It got a little ugly after that, but I was already losing my job. What do I care? Um, Justice and righteousness is a godly force on the earth. If you're stuck in a situation where you're not being treated fairly, God is with you. God is with you. He sees your situation. If you're being treated unfairly, unjustly, if if you're not being treated equally, God is with you. He cares about that. It matters a lot to him. And often we can get mad and we can say, God, why did the unrighteous prosper? Friend, I'm here to let you know they're not prospering. They are not prospering in anything that matters eternally. You don't want to be the richest person in hell. Somebody will be. Not going to be me. I probably won't be the richest person here or in heaven. But it's naturally speaking, I'm not sure where I'm going with that. Listen, the history of man is that they try to be special. We try to be above other people. We seek an easy life. That's, that's what we all desire. We could start fighting for comfort. Mishpah is not just about punishment. This justice is not just about punishment. But it's doing what people deserve because of their identity in being children of God. The same word, Mishpah, in Deuteronomy, it, it, it talks about the priest's Mishpah. Deuteronomy 18.3, he says, Now this shall be the priest's Mishpah, or the priest's due from the people. Basically, he said, you're going to get the tithe, and the priests are going to get from that what's due to them. Your tithe is your due. It is justice. It is what you give the Lord. This isn't talking about judgment. This is doing what's right. Doing justice. Now, Once we know God, we know he doesn't see things like we do. Amen? And so we have to start looking at justice differently. Oh boy, here we go. We have to start looking at justice differently. Now, many times when we think of justice, we think of retributive justice. Excuse me. Retributive justice is to punish rule breakers. We want retribution. It's, this is intuitive. This is what natural man thinks. Somebody did something wrong. I want retribution. This is justice, but it's a low level of justice. It's part of justice, but it's a low level of justice. Once we get saved, we come to understand a higher level of justice. And then we start recognizing that revenge And retribution can never bring peace. Getting even, getting back, that person who hurt you, getting back at them never brings peace. It does not 
Wash away the memories. That's the level of the law. There is a higher way, and it's called grace. And in justice terms, this higher way is called restorative justice. Restorative justice heals the injury between the victim and the offender. This is what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. Justice and righteousness is important to God. Restorative justice is what God specializes in. See, the second part of Micah talked about the judgment that came, but the third part of Micah, God reminds them that one day after captivity, He's going to rescue them. And He tells them, hey, one day you're going to come into a better place. And this is what I want from you and what I've wanted all along. Let's take a look in Micah chapter 6. Again, out of the contemporary English version, you can read it in whatever version you want. It's still going to say this. What offering should I bring when I bow down to worship the Lord, the Lord God Almighty? Should I try to please Him by sacrificing calves a year old? Will thousands of sheep or rivers of olive oil make God satisfied with me? Should I sacrifice to the Lord my firstborn child as payment for my terrible sins? The Lord, God, has told us what is right and what He demands. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. This is not what a lot of Christianity in America, or at least the loudest Christianity in America, looks like today, unfortunately. But friend, you and I are going to change that. You and I are going to change that. We are going to be the loudest voice in the room when it comes to justice. We will not be drowned out by a perverted version of Christianity that says, I'm more important than you. My comfort is all that matters. God only cares that I'm happy. No, friend, we are going to return to the God of Israel. We are going to return to the God of Jesus. Let me read this to you again, except in the New American Standard Bible. He says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. But do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Let's say it together, these three things. I'm going to put it on the screen. Do justice, love, ki love kindness, walk humbly with God. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? How do I follow God? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. And I have found that once we start getting prideful and we stop walking humbly, then all of a sudden we don't think we need to be kind anymore and justice gets very perverted. Justice gets super weird. It gets weird to a point that the world says, I don't think that's right. And we're seeing that today. There's a great deal of the church that loves hurting people. There's people in this house who love hurting people. And because we have thought we were being kind, we're letting unkind voices be too loud. Friend, we're not going to be quiet anymore. We are standing up for justice. I found something out pretty interesting. Um, 
This may surprise some of you about me, uh, just to kind of, this is what I'm kind of understanding about myself. I, I'm an eight. I knew that all along. Uh, an eight is a challenger. In, in I know about eights because that's what I am, and that's what I study mostly because I want to grow. And here's what you have to think about whatever personality type you are, in, in whatever test you take. It doesn't really matter. People think because I'm a challenger, I want conflict. I hate conflict with people. Now, the perversion of my challenger personality just wants you to agree with me. I don't want to argue. I just want you to agree, right? And so because I'm an eight, I see things from a different point of view. And so people can think I'm personally challenging, and I'm just saying, hey, I kind of see it a different way. I see it from over here, and you think you're really going to see it over here. And since I have really had a hard time in certain seasons, I've withdrawn from conflict. I did that recently on social media. I just checked out of social media. I just, I just completely, I was, well, Facebook. Facebook had turned into a cesspool. I'm going to be completely honest with you. It, oh my gosh. The, I'm sorry. And so I just withdrew from it. And then I said, well, I'm just going to speak on Facebook. I'm just not going to read anything. And so I would just put stuff on there. And people would argue with each other. I wouldn't even read their comments. I don't know if they thought they were arguing with me. But I had already posted it because I already knew what I thought. I wasn't asking for input. Like, I'm letting you know something. You can argue it all you want, right? And I, that's between you and God, right? And then I come back and post something else. And then they argue again as if I'm trying to engage in an argument. You can agree or not agree. And so recently what I've decided is uh, I'm not going to hide my opinion anymore. And so then I just started going on Facebook and put what I think. And then people would argue with me. And I tell them why I think they're wrong, and then they'd insult me, and I'd block them. <laughs> like, if I want to argue with people, I'll tell my kids to clean their room. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need to go places to find arguments. Right. I, I don't need that in my life. I don't, I don't need that in my life. And so I just said, I'm coming out of hiding. I'm coming, coming out of hiding. This is what I believe. You can agree with it or not. That's between you and God. Put it up for one more time for me, if you would, Swana. Put that last slide up one more time for me, if you would. Yes. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I am trying to rein in the Facebook thoughts at this very moment. I might be the youngest person on Facebook now, honey. I'm, I just, I don't know what... I remember when I first got on Facebook and I was in youth ministry and they're like, you're on Facebook? And now the young people look at me like, you're on Facebook? You know, like it went completely flipped. They like couldn't believe a guy as old as me was on Facebook. And now people are like, why would anybody be on, young people are like, why would anybody be on Facebook? It's pretty funny. It's just, they just, yeah, just let it go by. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. Friend, this is what Jesus did on the cross. Instead of punishing wrongdoers, he restored them. Amen. Instead of retributive justice, he practiced restorative justice. How could he do that? Because he took all the retribution. He took the punishing. He took the scourging. Yeah, no, that's a good word. Wherever you're at, let's just give it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for taking what I deserved and restoring me to God. <clears throat> I 
Okay, I got to say one thing. My wife, had, my wife had spurred me on, but I'm coming back. Coming back around. You know, I didn't want to argue with people. And what I found was the loudest, least kind people, they don't want to argue either. They want to tell you what to do or they want to cancel you. They are the most fragile people in our society. If you have a different political opinion, canceled. They'll take their kids from fellowshipping with their friends. They'll, I mean, they will just completely collapse if somebody disagrees with them, like they're going to crumble and die. Like, guess what, friend? You can make it. People can disagree with you. We can disagree on a political candidate. We can disagree on what car is best. We can disagree on how the air conditioning should be set, what your favorite color is. We can disagree on all these things. You know what we can't disagree on? Jesus Christ wants to restore us to fellowship. That, that, there's no debating. I'm not debating that on Facebook. I'm not debating that. If you want to debate that, I'm going to, you know, come to church and get saved. I remember, oh gosh, I remember um, uh, somebody, I can't believe I'm going here. I remember uh, people wanted to argue with me. Uh, and, uh, and they're like, well, well, why do that? And I say, oh, you can come sit and be quiet in church and you can learn and you can learn how, you know, I can teach you those things. Well, I won't, then be quiet, right? Like, I, I, I'm not here to argue you. That's not our role, honey. Was that rude? Should I cut that out or I'll just keep it? See, Jesus took the punishment on the cross. We're not arguing about these things. Right. Jesus wants us to be nice to each other. Instead of punishing wrongdoers who restored them, he didn't just avoid conflict. He didn't just avoid sin. He did justice. He didn't just yell at people. He did justice. Jesus is so worthy to be followed, so much more worthy than any person. You may have had amazingly godly parents. Jesus is even better. You may have been raised by an amazing youth minister or pastor in your church or had a spiritual mom or dad or just been loved to life by somebody. Jesus is even better. There's no one who deserves to sit on the seat of mercy that Jesus is sitting in. There's no one who can empower your life like the Spirit of God that Jesus will baptize you in. There is no one like Jesus there is no force that's going to satisfy the hunger for justice in this country and around the world like Jesus will. Amen. No one can fill the gap of Jesus. By bearing our sin, he brought healing between us and God. This is what our God has done. And so today, as I close, I, I want to encourage you Let's do justice. Let's stop pointing fingers and trying to say who's wrong and deserves retribution. Let's search our hearts for how we can do justice. Here's what I want to do. I'm not canonizing this. I'm not putting it in the Bible. But I want us for a couple weeks in a row to do this prayer that Francis of Assisi wrote. I think it's pretty powerful. And I've been praying it over my life, and I hope you have as well. A link to a PDF of it is in the description of this message. Print it, pray it. You guys ready? Yeah. We're going to say this together, and then we're going to receive the Lord's table. All right? Much of the charismatic and non-denominational world, we've really lost the power of written prayers. 
like people who took time to actually think about a prayer for days, weeks, months, years, and wrote them down, we so value the spontaneity of the Spirit that sometimes we've devalued the power of our intellect, the power of walking with God and working out the kinks. And Francis worked this out. He didn't just mumble this one day. He took some time to write it. So let's say it together, shall we? You all ready? We're all going to say it in the room together, and we're going to say it at home. Say this out loud, and I hope try to make it an effort to say it as many times this week as you can in the morning. Are you ready? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. It is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 Now, as we're about to receive the Lord's table, many traditions in Christianity, we take this moment, as Paul wrote about, to examine ourselves. What's going on in my heart? Have I separated myself from some other believer? Have I not considered other believers as part of the body? Paul said if we take communion without recognizing the body, we could do harm to ourselves. This is not a curse I'm speaking. I'm saying this is an opportunity for us to check our hearts. So if there's any bitterness in our lives or any malice, let's just go ahead and repent. Let's just ask the Lord to forgive us of our hatred, our hardness of heart, our unforgiveness, our desire for retribution. And the power of the Holy Ghost will move in your life. Lift the burden in your soul and bring freedom. Thank you, Jesus. And on the night you were betrayed, you took the body, you took the bread, and you said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, we thank you that you took that beating on the cross and you set us free. Now, as we receive the body and the cup of the new covenant today, I want you to kind of picture how this is now becoming, his body is becoming part of your body. And the life flow of his blood is now going to begin pumping in your veins and transform who we are. Wow. Come, Holy Ghost, receive the body. Likewise, you took the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Wow. So thankful to your for your life, Jesus. I'm so thankful. Could never thank you enough. So beautiful. So wonderful. Thank you for bearing my sins on the cross. Thank you for these amazing people in my life. Receive the cup of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're away from God right now, if you've not lived a life of justice, 
You've been focused on yourself. I just want you to say your own prayer. and Just something like, Jesus, forgive me. Turn my heart. I receive your sacrifice as my payment for sin. Wash me clean. Give me new life. And fill me with your spirit. And empower me to walk with you. Friends, we call that becoming a Christian. Now the Spirit of God will begin moving in your life, transforming your heart to His, and giving you divine appointments. Listen, if you need prayer for anything today, go ahead and text RLC HELP to 97000. Anything else I need to tell people, honey? We love you so much. We miss you. We're almost... We're like on the cusp of gathering together. It feels like we're getting safer now, right? The numbers are going in the right direction finally. Hopefully they won't get our kids sick at school. Am I allowed to say that? Next week we're going to pray over all the children for back to school and all the teachers. And uh, we're praying for godly wisdom and safety in this season. We love you so much. Say hi in the chat. God bless you. And we'll see you in life group. If you're not in life group, click the link in the description Join a life group. God bless. Bye-bye. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Amen.